Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for you today is that the message you hear will encourage you and inspire you to walk closer with Jesus this week. Uh, I believe I'm going to be speaking a word to you that God has dropped into my heart, and uh, when I was preparing for it this last week and in prayer, I really felt like the Lord dropped this word in for us and for me, and I believe that it's going to speak to you right where you're at today. And not that the other words that I've spoken haven't done that, but I know that God is going to minister to us through this message this morning, especially going into this Thanksgiving season where we are called to be reminded of God's goodness and His, His love for us. Uh, I sincerely believe that there is an enemy there out there who wants to rob us of our understanding of what God has done, not only for us uh, in particular or in general, but us particularly, us individually, that God has done something specifically for us and for you and me in our lives, that the enemy wants to rob that away from us, that realization of who he is and what he's done. And I believe that God is wanting to speak to us uh, about how the enemy comes to seek uh, to rob us and keep us from walking in the things of God this morning. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Philippians chapter 3? If you have a smartphone, you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can follow along there as well. We have our notes uh, along uh, in that app. You can find us there under Central Valley Church under the More tab and Events, and you can click on that. As you're turning there, Uh, Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, we ask God that you would move in a mighty and powerful way this morning in our service. That Jesus, our prayer this morning is that God, we would encounter you more fully and more, uh, more real than we've ever encountered you before. We ask Holy Spirit that you would break through any distraction. That God, you would come and anoint this message for our hearts. God, let our hearts be open to receive. Open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see you and what you have for us. God, we rebuke the enemy, all his tools and devices to distract and to rob and to kill and to destroy the thing that you have for us. And Father, we also pray for anyone who is sick in the house today. We plead your blood over them. And we ask, God, that you would heal them in the mighty name of Jesus. We come against the spirit of infirmity and sickness in the name of Jesus right now. Be broken and let us walk in your healing power. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Recently, I was reading in the news. Uh, this last, actually, last Monday, I saw an article that uh, really uh, spoke to me and reminded me of this message. And I heard about this home invasion uh, in Florida. It happened on Monday. Did anybody hear about that? Where two armed robbers kicked in the back door of someone's home, and the the father was there in the living room, and they they said, "Give us all of your money. Give us everything you have." And he said, "I don't. I don't have anything." And so they pistol whipped him and began to kick him on the ground and was kicking his head. And his 11-year-old daughter in the back room, she was asleep. She heard the commotion. She comes running out into the living room to see what's happening. These two armed robbers, one of them grabs her and starts jostling her and tossing her about. That's when the mother wakes up in the very back room. She hears this commotion and she pokes her head out to see what's going on. When she does that, one of the armed robbers fires a shot at her. It misses, and uh, she then takes action. See, what you don't know is that the mother was eight months pregnant. And uh, so it was not a good idea for him to fire that shot because mama bear gear just kicked up in her. And plus, she's a Floridian, all right? So what you don't do is you, shoot, you don't shoot at Florida people. 
and not those that are pregnant because they'll go off and they got a game plan. So she knew, she had a plan. She knew exactly what she was going to do. And uh, she, uh, she had a plan. She went and got her husband's AR-15. And now I'm not trying to be political. I don't know where your stance is on this. I'm just trying to make an illustration, okay? But she had a plan. She went and got the AR-15 out of the back room, locked and loaded, and she fired precision shots down the hallway, fatally wounding one of the robbers. The other one gets up and runs for his life out the back door, and she saves her entire family. Her husband, who was laying on the ground there, had a fractured eye socket from where they pistol-whipped him or kicking him. He had a concussion. But no harm happened to the 11-year-old daughter, and she saved her entire family. Because she had a game plan. She knew, she knew if something like this ever happens, and I'm guessing in Florida it happens a lot. I don't know. Maybe a lot of weird things happen in Florida. But she knew exactly what to do. And she had a game plan. She came in with a plan of attack, and she saved her entire family's life. I think it's, a, it's amazing to me that that, that that happened, and she knew exactly what to do. And as I began to prepare this message today... The Lord was speaking to me out of Philippians chapter 3 about the would-be robbers that are coming to steal something from us. Just like these two men invaded her home wanting to steal something from her and her family, but she knew how to protect them. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that the enemy of our souls is trying to rob one thing in particular from us. He's trying to steal a lot of things, but I think the first thing he's wanting to steal from us as the people of God is our joy. I think he's wanting to steal our joy. He's wanting to rob you of your joy this morning. So today, the word of God to us is to guard our joy. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, guard our joy? Tell him, guard your joy. Say, I'm going to guard my joy. Let's read the passage of scripture together. Philippians chapter 3, looking at verse 1. It says, further, reading out of the New, uh, new International Version, NIV, uh, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Someone say rejoice. rejoice. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again uh, as it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we, say we, we. who are the circumcision. We, say we, we, who serve God by His Spirit. We who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in in the flesh. My goal for us this morning is to bridge the worlds. These, there's two worlds here this morning. There's the world of the Bible, of what Paul wrote to the Philippians, what is happening in their day, and there's the world of what's happening now. And my goal, my purpose today is to bridge these two worlds together, to see what God was saying to them in Philippians and what he's saying to us this morning. That's my task, and I hope that you'll help me do it this morning, because I believe that God's wanting to speak to us through his word today. See, when Paul was writing this letter to the Philippians, he was warning the church of these false teachers who were coming in saying, we are followers of Jesus, and if you want to be good followers of Jesus, you need to do these things to be better followers of Christ. They were coming in and they were specifically telling these Gentile believers, if you really want to know Jesus, if you really want to be Christians then you need to do these things as well. And the things that they were telling them about particularly was circumcision. You need to have an outward expression for this to really know that there's an inward transformation. 
You need to look like this. You need to act like this. You need to sound like this. And then you will have everything you need to be a good follower of Jesus. These false teachers were going around and saying, if you'll follow these rituals, if you'll follow these rules, these things will supplement your faith and you will have the fullness of what you need. Because Jesus is not full enough already. Jesus is not good enough already. So you need to add things to Jesus to have a better life. And these false teachers were following Paul around. This group had been battling Paul since the time he started planting churches. When Paul would travel and plant churches in the Gentile communities, these Jewish Christians who said they were followers of Jesus would come in and after he would leave, they'd come in and begin to say all of these other things. You need to look like this. You need to sound like this. Jesus is not enough for you. You need to add things to him. And they were saying all of these things And it was self-centered, it was self-focused, it was a declaration about their own achievement, about themselves. So the focus was not on what Jesus had done, the focus was on what will you do? How will you be good enough? How will you be better? Because Jesus just isn't going to cut it for us. We need to add all of these other things. And this, this idea was a demand of the flesh, a way of boasting in the flesh. Look at me. Look how devoted I am. Look how holy I am. And it was not boasting about what Jesus had done, but what what I have done. Look how good I am. And Paul says, this thing that they're saying to you is going to be that thing that robs your joy. It's going to be that thing that comes against what God is really trying to do because they were saying, look at me, look how good I am, as if their righteousness could be earned. As if their righteousness could be, could be deserved. And the Bible clearly tells us that it's what Jesus has done that actually gives us the righteousness that, that we need. It is a gift from Jesus, not something that we can do on our own. And Paul says this, this mindset uh, is not only in a direct opposition to the cross, but it's, in a, direct, uh, it's a direct threat to the very existence of the church. The the false teaching was saying these things, that you're not good enough until you look like this, act like this, walk like this, and talk like this. But Paul wrote to the Philippians, no, it's a lie. It's a lie. And this lie will rob you of your joy if you think it's about you. If you think following Jesus is about you, you will not have joy. Because you will not see clearly what he has done for you. That you could never earn it and you don't deserve it. But the fact that you have life and freedom and hope should give you all the joy that you need. Amen? Amen. All the joy that you need. It isn't about your achievements in the flesh. It's about his, his victory on the cross. It's not about your goodness it's about His goodness. I want to, I want to remind us this morning that don't allow, don't allow anybody to make you feel less than when you follow Jesus. Don't allow anybody to look to you and say, oh man, I just, I don't think you're cutting it as a, as a believer. I just don't think you're a good Christian. Because it's about Him. You're in a process so if someone happens to do that to you, make you feel less than you'd say, hey, I'm still, I'm still on the journey, man. I have not arrived yet. 
But I'm walking in his goodness, not my own. I'm walking in his righteousness, not my own. Amen? What does Jesus say that we are? Jesus says that we are conquerors. He says that we are more than conquerors. He says that we are overcomers. He says that we are brand new. He says that we are in him. Do you belong to Christ this morning? Are you in Jesus this morning? If you're in him, then, then allow your place in Jesus to make you joyful of what he's done for you. Of what's happening. Paul writes that to the Philippians to guard their joy in the Lord by being aware of the things that would try to rob them of their joy. For them, their joy robbers were people telling them that Jesus wasn't enough, that their actions determined their joy, that their outward appearance determined their joy, that their achievements determined their joy, and not the Lord alone. Yeah, you know, I I can relate to that. Can you? What are the things that rob you of your joy in Jesus? Is your joy determined by what you do? Or by what you don't do? Is your joy determined by what people say about you? And I feel joyful when people are talking good about me. But the moment they begin to talk bad about me, I have no more joy. Now I have worry. Now I have anxiety. Now I've got stress. Now I've got to watch my back. Because those people are no longer saying good things about me. And my joy is determined by what they say instead of what Jesus says about me. Is my joy determined by my outward appearance, how I look, how I feel? Is, is it, if, if I look good, then I feel good? That's what the world says. This is a, sometimes there are things that the world says gets into us, and we think that's the way it should be. So if I look good, I feel good. Come on, I've said it to myself. I look in the mirror, ooh, I look good, I feel even better. You know, I know I've done it. But the fact remains that this should not be the thing that drives our joy. So even if I look tore up, I'm still blessed. Even if my life is in chaos, I still have the one who gives me peace and joy. Come on, somebody. Is my joy determined by how I look or how I feel or what others think about me? Or is my joy determined in Christ alone? Do I boast in Jesus alone and not in the achievements of my flesh? And not in what, how good I am or what, what things I accomplish or how many boxes I can check on my list in the morning. Should my joy be determined by what he has done more than it's determined by what I will do? I am completely filled with joy because of his love for me. There's a quote that says this, You're, far wor- you're a far worse a sinner than you recognize, but you are far more loved than you realize. Come on, would you say that with me? You are far worse a sinner than you recognize, but you are far more loved than you realize. What does that mean? That means that I, I, I can never get good enough. I will never be good enough on my own. See, we, when we sin, when others sin, we're like, oh man, how could they, you know, but there, there's, there's so much more in us that we are unwilling to address in this life. But Jesus says, even though you are wretched and a wreck, I still love you. I still have conquered for you. I've poured out my blood for you. 
So, so let that be the reason you have joy today. Let that be the reason you have a passionate pursuit for Jesus today. Because you couldn't have earned it. And you don't deserve it. So instead of making rituals and rules the way that you justify how good you are, just look to the cross. And when situations in life hit you, continue to look to the cross. Because the fact that you have new life in Jesus should give you all the joy you need. The fact that you're no longer bound by sin should give you all the joy you need. Despite the circumstances around you, maybe the scenery has not changed at all, but you have been changed in Christ Jesus. So let that be the thing that drives your joy. Paul writes, don't boast in the things of the flesh. We have no confidence. See, I think we have a difficulty with that. We want to have confidence in our flesh. We want to think, I am good. No, we're not good. Not in the sense that we are going to earn something from God with our goodness. It's good to do things. It's good to do good things. It's good to get things done. Come on, somebody. And my wife said, amen. She loves it when I get things done. Things that I said I would do. Hallelujah. But those things aren't going to earn me a better place in heaven with Jesus. Those things just demonstrate a life change in me, but those aren't the things I do to, to earn the life change. And if those things ever become my substitution for what Jesus has done, I have put my focus more on me than I've put it on him. And it's shifted. There's the reason why I don't have joy, is when those things become my God more than the God who has saved me. And I have replaced him off the throne of my heart and said, but I like this. And when I do this, I feel good. When this happens, I feel better. When people say nice things about me, I am filled with joy. And Paul would remind the Philippians, no, our confidence is in Christ alone. And he would remind us today, your confidence is in Christ alone. So when things are high, great. Your confidence should be in Jesus. When things are low, that's fine. Because your confidence is in Jesus and his joy of what he's done for you. We have no confidence in the flesh, but all the confidence in Christ Jesus. So our joy comes from knowing Jesus and what he has done for us. It's this personal, intimate knowledge of what Jesus has done for us and what he is continuing to do. Do you know if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been forgiven because of what he's done? You've been justified or you've been made righteous because of His work, not your work. You've been made clean, not, not by your sacrifice, but by His sacrifice. Rules and regulations and expectations, both from outside of you and even internal things that you've set up in yourself, will rob you of this joy of knowing that Jesus has done it all for you already. So those things are not the cake, they're the icing on top of but the cake, the substance of our joy is what Jesus has done for us. So Paul tells us, guard your joy. Guard your joy. You need to have a game plan. You need to have a plan of attack when the joy robbers come in to kick in your back door and assault your joy. What plan of attack do you have? What is the weapon that you will use to guard your joy this morning? Because it's not enough to say, guard your joy, and you walk out the door saying, got to guard my joy. Got to guard this joy. I'm going to guard it. I'm going to guard my joy. And you have no way of guarding your joy. You just got some really good dance moves. 
You know, you have nothing that's going to actually give you substance to help you guard your joy. So Paul tells us the plan of attack we need to take. In Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, he says this. Here's your plan of attack. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Say always. And then he wants us to remember it. He says, so I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will what? Guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It will guard your heart and your mind. This is our game plan to guard our joy. This is the game plan. This is our plan of attack when joy robbers come. The very first thing that we need to do is be joyful because the Lord is near. It's interesting. To guard our joy, we first have to be joyful. Because the word Paul uses here for joy is a verb. It's an action word. It is putting on joy. It is being joyful. It's acting out joyfully. Do you know that, you know, Jesus says that the world would know that we belong to him by our love, by the way we love each other, and our compassion for one another and for others. But love and compassion take time, don't they, to be expressed. But the very first thing someone should see about us and can very easily see is when someone is joyful. It is evident right there on their faces. You can see if they have joy or you can see the lack of joy. Yes? Oftentimes we see a lack of joy rather than an abundance of joy. So he's, that's why Paul says, let your joy be evident, or let your gentleness be evident. Those who are joyful are gentle. They're not angry. They're not anxious. They're not, you know, uh, I'm very guilty of this. Sometimes uh, I, when, I, when I have things to get done, I get tunnel vision. I, I become like a horse with those blinders on. And I think about that singular thing I have to do. And with, with no regard to anything or anyone else around me. It's a major struggle for me. I, I, when, I, when I'm getting focused, I have, I have uh, papers to write or I've got things that I need to do for school or whatever. It's like, see a family. I got to do this. And I become singularly focused and my joy is gone from me. Because I am, I am anxious about getting these things done. Because I, I tend to find out that my anxiousness comes when I don't have a plan for tomorrow or I don't know what tomorrow holds. Anxiety comes from those two places for me. I don't know where it comes from you, but if I don't know, if I know I have to get something done, but I don't know how I'm going to get it done, I become anxious. Or if I, if I know things have to happen, but I don't know what tomorrow holds for me, then I become anxious. And those things are robbers of my joy because I'm not focused on what Jesus has done or, and my joy is developed based on my achievement of those things more than it is based on what Jesus has already done for me. And those things still have to get done, but why should they control my joy? I don't know about you, but I've experienced this. Even yesterday I was telling Faith on the way back down from Sacramento, we were visiting family for a couple of days and I told her, man, I feel so anxious today. I feel anxious. I get like a pit in my stomach. And I tell her, she's like, why? And I said, I don't know. I don't know why. Except that maybe the Lord's trying to remind me what it feels like when we don't have joy in our life. We, we, feel, we feel this heaviness in our, in our guts. And he's saying, I don't want my people to walk around like that. Because when you feel this here, your attention, my attention becomes 
inward focused. How am I going to take care of this? How am I going to handle this situation? And when I turn inwardly, I dismiss everyone else around me. And there's no, there's, there's, there's no reason for it. Because those things are now trying to become my joy givers when I have one joy giver who gives me all the joy I need. And he wants us to be reminded that we need to first be joyful. Why? Not, not because it's just, hey, well, I'm just going to put up a fake mask. No, but he gives us the reason. Because the Lord is near. The Lord is near you. The enemy wants to tell you the Lord is not near you. That he is far from you. Even, even when, you know, you, you, you've been seeking God, but sometimes it's, it's hard to hear his voice or to feel him. He says the Lord is still near you. Especially in times where you're, you're, you're wrestling or you're struggling with sin or something else and you think, God, God, you couldn't love me because what I've done or what I've thought or the actions I've taken, if they only knew, then you, you, there's a reason why you're far from me. No, he says, God is still near you. He is near the broken heart of those who are wrestling, those who are struggling, those who feel sick in themselves. Remember, we're far worse sinners than we recognize, but we are far more loved than we realize. Amen. He loves you even more. When you're in the struggle, because he's rooting for you, not against you. He is for you. He wants you to win. He wants you to overcome by his blood and by the word of your testimony. So Paul says, here's your first game plan. Rejoice because the Lord is near you. It's the first thing people will see. It's the first thing they'll understand about you. Because it's immediately recognized and its absence is readily known. This is why Paul says, let your gentleness be seen by all because your gentleness will be, your joy will be exposed in your gentleness, not in your anxiety, not in your burdens, not in the difficulties. Because when you recognize that Jesus is on the throne, he's working out all things for your good. This is what his word says. He works out all things for good for for those who are called according to his purposes. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been called by His Spirit. It doesn't mean called into ministry, called in, well, only the pastors get things worked out for their good. No, all believers who are called according to His purpose. What's His purpose? To seek and save the lost. So if you were lost and now you're found, you were called in Him and now He's working out all things for your good. And He wants to work out everything else for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. So we can rejoice. Because God is good and he's on the throne. Secondly, it says, here's another game plan. We want to rejoice. Another one is present your request to God. When things come up that want to rob your joy, let the Lord know about it. Let your daddy know you got a bully on the scoreyard trying to steal your lunch money. I don't know about you, but the lunch, lunch always brought me a lot of joy when I was growing up. So <laughs> I can relate. I can relate to that. Let your daddy know there's a bully trying to steal your joy because your daddy is ready to fight for you. Your daddy is ready to step in for you. He wants your requests to be known. How do we do that? Paul tells us by prayer and petition. Here's something vital. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the road that our prayers travel on to Jesus' ears. Thanksgiving is the thing that says, I know everything else seems like it's falling apart, but I'm grateful that I know you and that you have saved me. 
I'm grateful. Even if everything else is lost, even if everything else falls, even if everybody else leaves and abandons me, I can be thankful because I know you are on the throne and you love me. You said you love me. Thankfulness creates the pathway for your prayers. So once you start with thanksgiving in the midst of things that are trying to rob your joy, let your prayer and your petition be known by God. Be joyful that you know him. Be thankful that you know him, and then allow your requests to be known. Whatever it may be, whatever is the thing that's weighing on you, nothing is too insignificant that you're like, well, I just got to figure it out on my own. I just got to, we'll work it out over here. And, you know, we got situations, we got medical bills, we've got sicknesses and bodies, we've got, you know, finances that are disarray. My boss is really leaning on me. We're like, but those things, I'll handle those, God. You, you deal with my patience. Why do we segregate God from the things he knows that are bringing us anxiety and worry? He says, bring it all to me. All your concerns, all of, your, all of the things that, you are, that are trying to rob you of the joy of knowing me. Bring all of those things to me. Pile them on. I can handle them. And let you be, let you be known by the joy of, of knowing God. Because it will, it will separate you. And people will recognize the joy of the Lord in you when you can do that. There are robbers of your joy that have come. And when they do, rejoice. Let that be your first response. Then make your requests known to God. Not with anxiety, but with thanksgiving. Ask your Father what you need. And He will come through for you. And finally, Paul says, when we will do these things, the peace of God that transcends or surpasses our understanding, will guard our heart and our mind in Jesus. When you are working those things out, then the peace, when you should not have any peace, will come upon you. And when people are saying, why aren't you freaking out about this? Why aren't you losing it? This is not good. This is not good. We're, 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 everything's collapsing. We're, we're going to lose our jobs. We, we're, gonna, we're not going to have money to pay our bills. We're gonna have, and yet you're sitting there with peace. Because the peace that surpasses the understanding of men will be given to you and granted to you. Amen. To do what? To guard your heart, to guard your mind. This message this morning is to guard your joy. Because the enemy is coming in to rob you of your joy. What does the Bible tell us? That the joy of the Lord is our what? It's our strength. So if you feel like you're zapped of strength this morning... Recognize that the enemy has been robbing you of the very thing that gives you the strength you need. And it's the joy of the Lord. When the joy robbers come, it doesn't look like the situation is getting any better anytime soon. God's peace will come and guard your heart and mind until the solution comes. Our joy isn't found in the resolution of our problems. Our joy isn't contingent upon the working out of the things that we want our joy is found in Jesus and in Him alone. Our source of peace comes from Jesus, knowing that He will work out all things for our good in due season. Do you believe that this morning? God will do it. So take on the joy of the Lord as your strength today because He loves you. He has freed you. He has redeemed you when you decide to follow Him. So guard your joy and let the world see your joy and recognize that it comes not from this world, but from our Father in heaven. Let nothing rob you 
of your joy. I believe that the joy of the Lord is a gift from God. And he gives good gifts to his children. And he wants us to demonstrate that joy in action. Do we all have reasons not to be joyful? Yeah. That's not a trick question. We all have reasons not to be joyful. Not being joyful is like our fallback. When someone is not joyful, we're like, just another Monday. When someone is joyful, we can see that and recognize it because it's different than everything else. Our default is no joy in this world. But Jesus says as followers, as Christians, let your default be joy. Let your default be joy. Not a fake joy. Not a pretend, fake it till you make it joy. A joy of reflecting on who Jesus is. How do we get there? It's by being in relationship with Him. Worshiping the Lord. Getting alone with Him. Even for five minutes in the morning, getting in your closet, closing the door, and saying, Jesus, I thank you! Maybe not that loudly if your children are sleeping. Maybe, Jesus, I thank you. Be reminded of what he's done for you. And when you're reminded of his goodness, joy bubbles up inside of you. When you're reminded of how lost you were and how found you are, joy bubbles up inside of you. When you worship Jesus, you're reminded of his goodness and joy bubbles up inside of you. Then when you walk out the door, all the situations are still there, but now you're walking in joy. You're walking in joy. Amen? Don't let the enemy rob you of your joy. Don't let him rob you of your strength. I believe this is his plan. He wants to steal your joy. But God says, guard it. Guard it. Let my peace guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Joy comes from the Lord. And it's our strength. So if the worship team would come back, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for those who maybe are feeling weary today. Maybe you're feeling broken down or you feel heaviness. Maybe you have that pit in your stomach that just sits right here of all the things that need to be done, all the things that need to be worked out, all the situations that have not yet found a resolution. And God would say to you this morning, come to me and allow me to take that pit out of your stomach and give you my peace that will surpass any reason for peace. Come and let me love on you today so that you don't have to carry this burden any longer. Let me reveal to you how good I am to you, how much I truly love you. You don't have to earn it because you can't. You don't deserve it, but he gave it to you freely. And he wants to pour out his joy, a renewed joy on you today. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then you don't know the joy I'm talking about. Because you've not experienced what it feels like to be made new in Jesus. You've not walked in forgiveness. You've not walked in the freedom of sin. So you 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 can't experience the kind of joy that I'm talking about if you don't know him. But this morning I can tell you that if you want to know it, if you want to know this joy that surpasses the understanding of men, then you surrender your life to Jesus today and you can have his joy. 
Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends. That would help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the mission of Central Valley Church, go to cbcmadera.churchcenter.com for more information. We love you. God bless.